Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Hoopod. My name is Blair Beveridge, and thank you for once again tuning in. On this week's show, we have someone that I've admired for quite some time. She was one of the original Geek and Sundry vloggers. She is a published author, and her fans identify as curiosities. I am, of course, speaking of the one and only Kiri Calligan. Now, on this episode, Kiri and Tierlin geek out. These two girls just, they got along so well. I absolutely loved hearing Tierlin and Kiri just go back and forth. They talk longest journey. They they talk about publishing and, you know, just they, they hit it off and it was just so good to hear. Um, Kiri gets serious with us. She talks a little bit about her brother um, and, and just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful podcast. I want to thank Kiri again uh, for doing this and for being so honest as she always is. It's it's one of my favorite things about her. Um, but make sure to check her and all of her social medias and her websites. She has a book tour in a couple of weeks. Uh, check out when it's coming to you, if it's coming to you. And uh, even if it's not, pick up her book, uh, Alice, on Amazon. And, and let, let's get her those 8,000 purchases to get her on that New York Times list that uh, that is so very important. Okay guys, so let's dive into this, shall we? Hoopod number 35 with the one and only Kiri Calligan. Dun dun dun! Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of Hoopod. On this week's episode we have somebody who's very familiar to those who've been around the community for a while. I'll just dive into it. Our guest this week is the wonderful and clever Kiri Calligan. Welcome Kiri. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. That's a very, very lovely introduction. I feel very blushy. Oh. And of course, we are joined by both of our co-hosts, Joey Couture. Hello. Yay. And <laughs> who was that? That wasn't Joey. <laughs> no, I was, I was cheering him. I'm sorry. I was. I, he was I, yaying. I will stop. It's fine. I was yaying for him. I'm going to shut up now. And of course, my other lovely co-host, Tyrolyn. It's Pooksty, right? Yeah, Tierlin Pugsty. <laughs> <laughs> Tierlin Pugsty, everybody. Um, it's Kiri. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for more, too. <laughs> Sorry. There was just silence. What? I didn't do it. It wasn't like me. It wasn't. Is there more? <laughs> I'm innocent. So, uh, again, for those of you who have been uh, around the community for a while, they, they should be familiar with your work with Through Curiosity and whatnot. Wit and Whimsy, I think, was its original name, if memory serves. It was because I really liked Curiosity, and I wasn't sure when we were first auditioning if we would get, like, if we would keep the legal rights. And I, Curiosity has been a nickname since I was very small. So oh, really? the idea, yeah, the idea of, of maybe Geek and Sundry possibly owning that before we signed our contracts, I was like, I'm not okay with that. Mm. And so um, when they when we got to hear more of the legal stuff, I was like, oh, so I get to retain everything? Sweet. I'm going to go with my original name. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, now, for those who may not be aware, Kiri wrote a book, a very nice yeah. book, a book that I really, really, really enjoy. So tell us a little bit about Alice. Uh, Alice is the first of a series. It is not the first linearly of the series, but, you know, time and space is relative. So who wants to follow a linear path at all? Um, yeah, it's very wibbly wobbly, it, isn't it? <laughs> right? Like, just who, who's heard of a anachronism and following a linear time period? How, how gauche. Um... <laughs> But uh, Alice is a very loose adaptation of Alice in Wonderland, or at least 
the themes and characters that made up that world very loose um based around a girl who is what's called a dreamer and dreamers have essentially a um, a stronger control over what is essentially the dream world. Um, they're very dangerous if they ever physically wander into the dream world. And it's about this one girl's journey after she loses her best friend and stumbles accidentally into a war between dreams and nightmares. It's pretty cool, guys. Yeah, this sounds so <laughs> freaking good. I'm actually on Amazon Aww. now buying it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Easy Yay! sale, that one was. You got a new fan. <laughs> Thank you. You are contributing to my goal of hitting 8,000 sales in a calendar year. So Yes, I love it. Here we go. Everybody. Supposedly, supposedly I've been told that's what you need to hit to get on the New York bestsellers list. So. Oh, I've done so much research on that, and it just depends on the day and the week, and oh, yeah. I just give up. I <laughs> just try to do as oh, many no. as possible. Keep trying. <laughs> Keep trying. We're going to make it, you we'll and me. There. We're going to be awesome. You know, just be like, yeah. As Girl great power. an achievement as that is, I, I don't know. I think having so many five-star reviews on Goodreads, because so many people are on Goodreads now, I, I feel like that's become the new New York's best-selling list, you know, aficionado it, kind of a thing. It's still a feather, though. On merit, I agree. Um, however, unfortunately, on the marketing, like, business side, yeah. when you hit that list is when you actually um, get to sell, like, because I don't get to decide the price point of my book mm-hmm. um but when you hit that list they can sell it for less so it becomes more accessible to people so that's really why i want to get there is like i want it to be more you know be something people pick up because they're like oh this looks interesting and it's not going to completely break my bank but you know there also is digital copies and that's the wonders of that but sadly i don't get to decide the price points i'm contacting a nigerian prince right now as we speak <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I will give him my bank account readily. (laughs) So, I mean, you can't set the price on the physical copies, but you also can't with the the electronic copies as well? Uh, No, because it's up to the distributor, not me. Um, And even my publisher. Like, so we we distribute through Ingram, which is one of the major companies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's... It's not really up to me, um, nor is it really up to any author who's decided to go through, like, the more traditional means, um, which is the one good thing about that I do kind of miss in regards to self-publishing, because while there was lots of downsides, it wasn't really about making money to me, so you got to make your stuff a bit more accessible to people, but then... Now, since I'm through Ingram, literally anyone who has access to, like, the library catalog can now order it and put it in their store. So it's a bit of a trade-off. Yeah. And I found, really weirdly enough, one of my books on eBay for $50. Have you you had that before? I mean, obviously they're not going to sell that. (laughs) No one's going to buy it. Um, So... Well, you don't know. Maybe one day you'll you'll hit like J.K. Rowling status, and then that thing will like go boop for like a thousand dollars one book. Yeah, it's crazy. No, weirdly, I saw one. Um, it was through Amazon actually, but like someone had bought it independently because I had originally self-published Alice in 2013, and then in 2016 I published it through Dose Blant Publishing, and I had to discontinue the original print, obviously, because mm. Dose Blant owns the publishing rights. Um, for I believe two years and then I can renew my contract or whatnot. Thankfully, they don't, they don't own anything else, which is nice. That's why I really, really appreciate them because all they own is technically the publishing rights for two years. So worst case scenario, if they became like demons, 
I wouldn't get screwed over with my book. Now, that's um, a good story right there that your publisher's a demon. Right? <laughs> no, my publisher's a demon. Um, it'll be a whole episode of Buffy. It'll be great. <laughs> I forgot my point, actually. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're... Fu- oh, no. Um, we're talking about weird book sales. Oh, so yeah, yeah. When I dis when I discontinued the first print, I found, it was really funny, one, one guy, I want to say... It was a small publisher somewhere far away. I don't know. I've never met these people who had a copy, like one copy of the original print, and they wanted to sell it for like $300. And I'm like, keep dreaming. <laughs> like, well, how far? However, you know, I would, I would like one day for you to sell it for that. And then I'll be like, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. The sad thing is I don't think I even have an original print anymore. I think I gave my last one away. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Now I feel bad. You sent me one. <laughs> No, don't. It's all right. Like, you can just it, buy it, it from that guy of... <laughs> for three hundred right? bucks. I mean, I have I have the original Word document, so that's true. You do have you Ugh. have the only original copy, so there you go. That's true. That's true. <laughs> all right. Um, so you are all over the medias. You are on the YouTubes. You're on the Twitches. Uh, tw- uh, talk to me a little bit about Twitch uh, and specifically about the longest journey. Oh my God, I love the longest Where journey. Where does one? <gasps> Yeah, and we'll be best friends. Oh, can we? I don't understand. I just, I'm okay. obsessed with it. The first you, one, though, you, you guys don't beat. understand. If you bring that up, then she and I are just going to talk about nothing but the longest journey for the rest of this yeah. podcast. Have you heard That's the bloopers fine. from the first one? <laughs> Have I what? Heard the bloopers, like when the voice artist sort of mucked yes. everything up and when she's like, it's a rubber ducky and just kept laughing. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. Oh, it's so uh, good. Oh, I should actually look up. She was having medical problems. No. A little bit back. I should look up how that went because I remember seeing it sometime during the Kickstarter because they had, like, put stuff out about it and, like, hey, the original April's having some struggles, like, had a GoFundMe. I sent her some money a little bit for her medical costs because I was like, oh, I love you, April. Okay, I'll be Googling that and I'll see if I can put something towards it. But yeah, this was anyway. like a, I think over a year ago, but so okay. hopefully she's fine. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll still have a little Google. But um, so you've been playing the Dreamfall chapters? Oh, I, I finished it. I want to say last month. Yeah, and oh. it absolutely mentally destroyed me because I've been, I was, I was a pretty avid fan of The Longest Journey, the original, when it first came out in two thousand one, and I was like, oh, this is so good because I'm a big point and click nerd. I just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who's on my Twitch knows um, the phrase, am I allowed to cuss here? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, swear your ass off. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fantastic. I, it's good to check. Um, but we have this phrase now that we just repeat that's just, bitch, I'm here for the story. Um, <laughs> and that's really just what all my Twitch streams are about. So the longest journey was like, oh, just nothing but beautiful, well-written, crafted dialogue and story. Um, and then I had to wait six years for Dreamfall to come out, which was lovely and beautiful and heartbreaking. And then I think they didn't announce Dreamfall chapters until at least six or seven more years after that mm. because of who owned the rights and Ragnar Turnquist, who is the writer, the lead writer, um, and is also probably one of the reasons I started writing. Like, he's in, like, my holy trinity of, I hate that phrase, but that's the best way I can put it, my holy trinity of um, 
authors who inspired me of like you can write and you should write if you have a story to tell and well um, did you know that there's only 11 people on their team that have put together that entire game yeah it's yeah. like so small it's and insane. I just have so much more respect for them because I had no idea that there was only 11 of them just working around the clock. I haven't finished um, the Dream 4 chapters. I've got one more chapter to go, but oh, I just love oh, it. Oh, it's going to destroy you. No. Like, I just want to hug you. No, in a good way. Like, it's <laughs> like I cried so oh. much, um, but it was just good tears. And I'm like, ah, oh, I need more. Yeah. But this was beautiful. And it just... Uh, I just, I want to, I wish I was down there in Australia. So I'd be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I think you can my do it. favorite part of the whole game so far is actually when she's in the city and like at pandemonium, pandemonium and all that because of the busker, the singer songwriter oh guy. Have you listened to his lyrics? Yes. I lost it. And I actually sing it like on a daily basis. <laughs> Every time I'm writing a song, oh. I just start going, I'm a singer songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sad they, they got some they originally had this idea of like having fans make songs that they would just like put in oh um throughout the game but then there was some backlash about like people being like oh well you're not paying artists for their work and I'm like are you are it's you, about exposure uh, not paying necessarily well I understand I understand the the like you know you can't get paid in exposure yeah. but if people are here's the thing if people are volunteering because they want to be part of yeah. an art project, let them. You should never expect someone to work for free. But if someone's like, I want to be a part of this, I feel like it's, I don't know. I was sad because I was like, I, this has been such a beautiful piece of work for me for so such a huge part of my life. And mm. I was really excited to be more than just a financial contributor. And then it was like, it wasn't something we were allowed to do. And I'm like, oh, my heart. Like, I, I respect that they were like, oh, you know, we don't want to ask you to, to work for free or whatnot. But I'm kind of upset we weren't given the option of, like, I would like to volunteer my time. Like, yeah. for me, that's that's like almost global community theater, you know? Like, it's on a global scale. You're creating this beautiful story and contributing. And, ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's for the love I want to do because global collaboration. Yeah, because I think I was eight when The Longest Journey came out or around that age. And since then, like, I've always been obsessed with that. And not a lot of people know about The Longest Journey. So they don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very sadly. <laughs> but, um, I yeah. think I remember Felicia did a vlog once where she mentioned. Um, I can't. I think she mentioned The Longest Journey, not Dreamfall. And I was like, oh, yay, more people will know about it now. And it was just like, uh, it's one of those things, though, that I feel like. If you mention it to someone, their eyes just light up because they're like, mm. oh, you all, you're, you're one of us. You also know about this because you're right. So many people just don't know about it. And it's just oh, it's so good. Did you ever play Ugh. The Secret World? It was from the same people who did The Longest I Journey. I did. I have a weird I have a weird relationship with MMOs. Yeah. Because I feel slightly disconnected from them. I kind of know what you mean because the story isn't there as much kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I I played one of the dragons and I I feel like character creation is not consent. So I was very upset that that lady seemed to come on to me in a way that I was not okay with. (laughs) More (laughs) than just a girl crush. We did not discuss this. (laughs) I'm just like, I mean, you're hot, but maybe we should like 
talk before it seems like you're car leave me alone swipe or no swiping <laughs> let's just do coffee first <laughs> i just get it i don't even know your name weird butterfly lady anyway <laughs> when it comes to point and clicks um I, I i'm a big sierra game fan so those were like kind of the, the the beginning of the point and click adventures i actually had no idea about that the longest journey even existed until i, I started watching your streams I was just like, oh. how did I miss this? This is this is my wheelhouse. I grew up because it came from a weird like, um, is it Norwegian? Yeah, weird like Norwegian company like out of nowhere like. I guess I feel that I I, I personally felt that when Sierra stopped making them, that the the genre died without realizing that it was obviously living elsewhere. Well, did you ever play um, the Lucas Arts ones and um, Full Throttle monkey, and all them like Monkey Island and. I didn't play Monkey Island. I did play Full Throttle. I was a big fan of Full Throttle. Monkey Island. Don't get me started on Monkey Island. <laughs> there's a total reference to um, in in the longest journey. She's got a toy monkey called Constable Guybrush, which is such a very obvious nod to Monkey Island that makes me so happy. <laughs> it was very meta. I loved it. I was like, yay. <laughs> You know, I'm only familiar with Sierra when they, for a short period of time, uh, had rebooted Spyro the Dragon for their trilogy set, mm. and they completely like changed the storyline a, a little bit. That like oh, that's only, that's all I'm familiar with uh, Sierra. But I also know that they did like a a PC Hobbit game. I yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. Back back. <laughs> Back in my day, oh my god. So <laughs> I remember when we got our very first home computer, um, because they didn't always exist. <laughs> I was, I, I think I was 10 years old or something, and my dad I, brought... I also recall that, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> it doesn't actually make me feel a little better. Um, but we were like 10 years old, my dad brought this home, and, and uh, at first he gave me a DOS manual, and he said, okay, learn this, and you'll have a job. And <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, he was right, but um, uh, I got bored with the command line stuff pretty quickly. But I found Sierra games, and the, the first ones were King's Quest and Police Quest yeah. and Space Quest, and I was obsessed. They weren't really clever with their naming conventions. Oh yeah, it, it was a stretch. And then there was the Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards, which was a completely oh. different game. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Little bit. Little bit. I still played that one, even though I probably shouldn't have. Um, but I, We're talking about the, guy, the a, guy that was watching Porky's with the entire neighborhood at five years old, for crying out loud. Yeah, that was Oh, my goodness. True. Yeah, that's not one of my happier stories. But um, my dad, I'm curious to just catch you up. My, my dad was one of these original movie pirates. So when the VCR ah. first came out, he borrowed his buddies and he connected them together. Oh my gosh! No, my mom did that. My mom <laughs> taught me how to pirate things. So did my and dad. And I thought everyone's mom did that, like, because we'd get something from the movie store, and sh the first thing she'd do is like pirate it. Yep. And then she'd like, then we'd watch it, and if yep. she was she didn't like it, she'd tape over it. But like, yep. before she even knew, she's like, "Well, we're gonna make a copy of this." But then she'd like feel guilty if she really liked it and she'd go and buy it but and you could put three movies on every blank tape yep um, so, <laughs> so, so the very first one my dad had was body heat porkies and an officer and a gentleman so i mean well, that's i just an interesting lineup it really was and and i remember my mom was away for something and i and i asked my dad i'm like if, can i have some people over to watch porkies thinking complete shot in the dark and he was like yeah whatever I had the whole neighborhood come to my house. Ah! 
and to, to watch this movie, which by today's standards was very is very tame, but by that their standards back then, that was that was the thing. Um, so yeah, that that's where that story. My comes only experience from. with Porky's was I once read the summary of what it was about because it's referenced in The Office, and I'm like, wow, this is a terrible plot. The only thing that even I could stand is Kim Cattrall plays a very specific character in that that is still funny. Um, <laughs> that I would I I'd, I'll let you guys discover it on your own. Well, uh, but yeah, Kim Cattrall, first thing I ever saw her in, <laughs> clearly. Um, but yeah, so that, that's where that came from. I don't remember how you got me down this road, Joey. Uh, you were talking about playing, uh, Leisure Suit Larry, Sierra. and I was... Leisure and Suit Larry, like, yes. You're like, probably should have been playing, yeah, you know, whatever, well, and then no, I piped I, in, I'm like, oh I yeah, mean, well, we're talking about the kid that was five years old watching Porky. That's how I learned what Spanish Fly was, it's... <laughs> <laughs> really bad stuff. Anyway, um, but I loved the Sierra games, but I played them on four color monitors because that was what we had, and it was everything was just kind of red and blue, and some kind of black and some kind of white. And when you're playing on four colors, you don't realize all the stuff you're missing. I, I remember my buddy had a 16 color monitor, and there was a very specific spot I was stuck in Police Quest, and oh, I did, no. and I couldn't get past it because I had to dive into this water and find the knife. And I I thought I had clicked on every single possible pixel to try to find this knife, and I couldn't do it. I went to my buddy's house. He put it on a 16-color monitor, and I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> it was just so annoying to me. So oh, I went, no. So I went home, and I clicked in the area, and it was in, and I eventually got it. But um, I just I loved point-and-click adventures. They were my lifeline for a good four or five years. I get, like, 16 three-and-a-quarter-inch discs and load them all up into the computer. It would take me forever to install it, but then uh, that was me. That was my life. That was my day. <laughs> Um, talk to us a little bit about funeral potatoes. Oh, funeral potatoes. Um, funeral potatoes, for those who are not familiar with the term, refers to a very specific potato, cheese, creamy goodness meal casserole thing uh, found in the Mormon church. Um, that It's called funeral potatoes because Mormons have potlucks like for everything, like... You have a Christmas party, it's a potluck. Someone dies, there's a potluck after. Um, and this dish would just appear all the time at the potluck following a funeral. Um, and that's kind of always stuck with me. Uh, so I was raised Mormon. I haven't been since I was 18, probably a little before that, but that's when I officially became what is known as a Mormon apostate. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. That's what that's they the They actually they use the term apostate? They do, and which is just putting me even closer to my Dragon Age dreams, oh. so I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's the first time I heard that word. So when I started playing Dragon Age, I was like, lol, apostate. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, and I uh, I lost a lot of um, a lot of friends near near um, between like my senior year of high school and my senior year of college um one was to like a freak accident one was suicide and it w- i i kind of thought a lot about death <laughs> during that time period of just because they were all really young it was never anybody who who was you know it was their time even remotely mm-hmm. and just thinking about these freak accidents and wow life is so short and what happens when you spend your entire life preparing for your life but you never get there. Um, like my yeah. friend Renee was a senior in high school uh, when she 
she was on crutches. She it, it's very snowy and icy in Spokane during the winter. She slipped and slid under a car. Oh. Um, and just we think about like especially in in high school how much we're preparing for our life and in college and it's like what makes what makes life worth it if you never actually get to what you're preparing for and yeah funeral potatoes was a one-act play that sort of explored my struggle with the fact that i had just gone through a huge crisis of faith and i had realized that i i didn't know what i felt spiritually i i knew i didn't believe in mormonism um, I believed it was wrong even and it was just a matter of trying to reconcile with what I'd been raised and what I actually knew from my experience and how do you find peace in that weird not knowing and what is it to you that that makes life worth it if you don't have that um, and, and really the answer I finally came to was I, I feel friendship very much makes that worth it um, I've made some really beautiful connections with people and I don't know, after a point, I, I this is kind of spoilery, I guess, sort of for the, <laughs> for the play, um, if you ever read it, but I just kind of came to the conclusion that I've met some really amazing people in my life. And thanks to the experiences I've had with them, if I went tomorrow, I think I'd be okay with it. If it was, if that was it, you know, like if there was no afterlife, if there was nothing like that was my experience and boom, like whatever came next didn't matter because my life was worth it because of those people and those connections. Now, so you, you, this is a written play that you um, have yes. <laughs> up on Amazon, I believe. Yes. Uh, probably otherwise. And, and there's actually... It's fairly uh, cheap, I think. You can find it on YouTube as well, a performance of it, which you are in, if, uh, if you want to yes. visually see it. I, I watched it again. I, I remember the last time I interviewed you um, a couple of years ago, I watched it and... And I watched it. It's still, it still pulls because these, these oh. are, these are things people really deal with, on, and 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 these are true human emotions. And I think that is why I've always enjoyed the work that you do. Is is you put it out there, and you're very honest. And that is so hard. It is so hard to do. <laughs> and when you find someone who's got the courage to do that. You just you want to see what they do next because you know you're getting the real deal and, and and I mean being a fan of yours as long as I have, I've always got that sense is that you are honest with with your curiosities with your with your fan oh, base. Thank and, you. Well, it, it's try. no, it's it's something that's very important to me. Um, I, I mean I, I think we've all kind of been buried under stuff at at various points in time. I tried to make my life more simple. I said whatever makes me happy how I want to surround myself with positive people and positive energy and then whatever comes from that is what I want to call life. And, uh, and, and, I, and it's not always that way. It, there's always shit being flung in your face from every direction. <laughs> but it's the fight to get back to that. that, that, that is, is just, you know, it, it seems that people who are willing to be honest with how life is and, and how they're feeling are, I just, I really appreciate that kind of person. And uh, oh, I've, I've always you. appreciated that with you. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm oh, sorry about that. Didn't mean <laughs> no, to. No, no. It's happy like tears. a good happy, happy cry. Like, <laughs> it's like this, this whole week's been very great about just reminding me like about how amazing the people are around me and just like, ah, oh, so much love. Love it. Speaking of love, you were the very first Hufflepuff that I ever saw with pride. And now no. a lot of people are starting to show this Hufflepuff I pride. I know. It makes me so happy. 
happy because for a long time people were like, I'm Hufflepuff. I'm like, bitch, be proud of that. That's amazing. It means you're all about like justice and like fairness and equality and like mm. you're you're not afraid to work hard for what you want and you're all about being loyal to the people you love. And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally proud of this. It's beautiful. See, I, I found I, out recently I am divergent when it comes to my house <laughs> because I took a test and it said that I am literally spread out every single one. I'm like 33.3% of every single house so I can choose my own house, which really but puts the pressure on. But when you take Pottermore, but when you take the Pottermore oh, test. I can't remember what I was on that. I think I might have been See, that's the definitive. That's the, that's the sorting hat. That is yeah. You know what? When you After you tell me that after you explain that you're like, ah, I get to choose my house, and then that puts the pressure, and then you tell me you're a Ravenclaw through that, that like makes complete sense to me. Because <laughs> that was such, it was such a Ravenclaw thing of like, all right, so these are my percentages, and so now I have <laughs> options. And you're going through like very analytically, like where do I want to go? <laughs> I'm like, but you oh, know what? I love you. It was a real Slytherin moment for me on my 20th birthday because the Harry Potter Expo was in town, and there was like all these kids around and me. And they said, okay, so who wants to get sorted into the house? And I just put my hand up in front of all these kids and said, me, it're my birthday. So, yeah, that's where the Slytherin side No, no, no. I feel like that's just, you were being very, see, you were being very tactical as well, though, because you were just like, my birthday. So this is true. It's only once a year. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. And, you know, you only get to have that moment. And I feel like things like Harry Potter brings out the kid in all of us. So why should, like, the tiny kids who probably won't remember it anyway be the only ones mm. who get to have joy? That's what I'm saying. I <laughs> so like you it. more and more every day, Miss Callaghan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joey, what house are you in in the Potterverse? I actually took the quizzes uh, recently. So um, I can't remember what the one for the uh, American school is, but it's the one that looks very... Uh, Native American eagle kind of spread. Oh, you're a Thunderbird. Okay, yep. So I got Thunderbird oh, for so the American I. house. Me too. Oh, Thunderbirds. <laughs> and for the uh, British house, Hogwarts, I got uh, Hufflepuff. Yay. Another puff. Every... Over morning, Massachusetts. Sorry. <laughs> this song's going to be stuck in my head now. Every single quiz I have ever taken in the Potter universe, I've always got uh, Gryffindor. But they had one of those percentage ones, and I am, and, and I did four or five different ones, and I am so close to Hufflepuff. I'm like a 55 45. I didn't realize I was that close. I feel like that's a very good place to be, though, is to be like, I value bravery, but I'm also really loyal. I also value these and people. Like, I, get, good, I feel like that's a good place to be. I don't I've think never, there's really a bad place to be, actually. No. That was just, just how Harry makes us see it, which I feel like people forget. Something I always have to remind people is like, I love Harry Potter, but Harry himself is not a reliable narrator. And no, we see the, the wizarding world through his eyes. So Very you got to remember, he's not objective That's at true. all. And to throw a wrench, I'm, I'm a puckwudgie. <laughs> <laughs> the American school. Aww. I'm like one I'm of my re- favorite people's a puckwudgie. Never be ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of it, but it was very weird because I read the whole Ilvermore story, and in the I can't remember the puckwudgie's name within it, but he didn't seem like a very happy guy. And and the whole time I'm like, oh my god, I'm the asshole school. And then I read, <laughs> and then I read the re- uh, the write up at the end, and they're apparently healers. I was like, oh okay. yeah, well that's, all, that's a little better. They're, okay. they're good people. I'm, I'm Maybe okay he was that. just very stressed because he was just constantly trying to save everybody, which... I just kept thinking that... creature when I was reading this other oh, guy. Oh, no! 
like, oh my God, I'm a creature. This is terrible. But Maybe he like, just yeah. didn't like his name, Pukwudgie, so he was grumpy. <laughs> well, Pukwudgie's a, it's a kind of animal. Yeah, it's a magical beast. I've never heard of Pukwudgie. Name. They're, they're one of the American up, ones, yeah. You should pick up uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them if you can find the actual, Not I'm not talking about the script, I'm talking about the original the book, book yeah. she wrote. So there is an original book. Newt Scamander's. Uh, because I've only seen the yes, screenplay. Yes, it's not a story. She wrote it as a. It's not a story. She wrote it as like a, um, a novelty book that was supposed to emulate the children's textbooks. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so there's that, and then there's a history of Quidditch. I don't remember if that's the exact title, but there's something about Quidditch. I got a Beetle the Bard one somewhere. Yeah, there's that one as well. So they're like in world in verse books. Um, I used to own Fantastic Beasts, and then I think in one of the many, many moves I have had since I was a child, I probably don't have it anymore, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever because it's got even little, like, supposed handwritten notes from Harry and Ron and then occasionally Hermione being like, stop writing in your book, which seems a little hypocritical because she's writing in his book. I think that... Go ahead. No, no, Taylor, no, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if uh, you were playing Quidditch, what what would role would you... Uh... Be? Do you think you'd be the seeker, the chaser? I would want to be a beater, to be honest. Okay. Because I am very, so I'm fairly sturdy. I'm small, but I'm sturdy. But I love the idea of like tiny five foot nothing girl with a bat and being like, I'm going to fuck you up, motherfucker. Because <laughs> <Just, laughs> up on the broom, I just hit this thing and you get knocked off your broom. It just, I... I love that because it's always like always dudes who seem to be beaters. There's very few female beaters. I went and looked this up for a cosplay once. So I was like, all right, this is what I want to be. <laughs> Tiny, pigtailed, and just badass. <laughs> you, Terrell, where would you be? Honestly, I think I'd just rather be in the crowd or I want to get like a proper bicycle seat to go onto the brooms because like the pain of sitting on a stick for that long. They have like, to be magic, right? Like they have to be magic. There's like no way that, that is so uncomfortable. there's not some sort <laughs> you know, of spell. Splinters in your bum. Like, for women nice. to do that would <laughs> yeah, be uncomfortable. That's but true. like. No offense, but for gents who have a lot more weirdness to negotiate down there, that would just be really uncomfortable. A little bit of shift to the side and... Uh. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus I, That's the part of Quidditch they don't talk about. <laughs> There's like a magic cup that everybody wears. <laughs> it's charmed so I that like, no matter how you sit, it's all comfortable. I just headcanon accepted. Everyone wears... Something comfortalis. It's, there's got to be a spell for it. <laughs> <laughs> Region Comfortalis, I don't know. Um, that. How about you, Joy? What would you play in Quidditch? For me... Um, well, because I'm one of those people that I just have to know where everything is, I'd probably believe be a Seeker. Yeah, I'd be a Seeker yeah. as well. That would be where I'd want to play. Because when I, when I actually do go outside and, and play a sport look out because i get really competitive like you think you wouldn't think i'd be competitive but the second i start doing it all oh it's bad it was probably a good thing i was only a cheerleader in high school because otherwise (laughs) it would be bad see that's why i want to be a beater because you can actually hit people (laughs) and it's allowed like that's your goal I can just so I can just see her being recruited for a hockey team. 
Yeah, so I then actually. I, that's can't. I'm at a disadvantage because I'm tinier, so then it gets like a little harder than just like hitting a magic ball at someone's face. I, I could so see you in a in a hockey cosplay <laughs> with a black eye and a blacked out tooth and just this, you know. Funny story. I have a picture of me as a beater with a black eye. That, that was like that was my cosplay. Is that the Hufflepuff beater, pig blonde pigtails and this big old black eye? I'm actually really happy they did the Fantastic Beasts movie because, I mean, the Hufflepuffs are just in general getting, you know, oh they're the others and in the movie. Yeah. I mean, as much as Newt himself, personality-wise, eh, maybe not the greatest, his story and, and what he was doing was so noble that you couldn't help but love him. I actually appreciate the way they did Newt's Commander because I feel like we have so many antisocial asshole geniuses, and I was so happy to be like, look, you have someone who's not good with people, but he's not an asshole. True. And I was like, hmm, who could learn from this? Pointed look at Moffat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moffat. Um, anyway, I have strong feelings about Stephen Moffat. You happy he's They're not, he's they're not good ones. Um, I honestly haven't been watching lately because I'm just so done with him. I haven't even watched. I like stopped watching Sherlock. I stopped watching Doctor mm. Who. And I just, I'm sad because I just didn't, I st- it wasn't fun for me anymore. It lost something. You know, with Sherlock, this season had of the three or series of the three, one was good. Um, so you didn't you two thirds. Yeah. Of it no, no. I mean, good. I know what happened, and yeah. I'm just I'm waiting for the episode of like Sherlock to come out. That's just like I don't know, women, right? Or bitches be crazy? Because I feel like some of these episodes I've been watching, yeah. I'm like, I'm just do it, just do it, because it's basically what you're saying at this point. God damn it, man. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's finally leaving Doctor Who, which is great, and Capaldi's leaving, so we're getting another reset button. I have a feeling they're going to they're gonna rather go with the female Doctor or, or the young kind of angle they, they were doing before. Um, I, I want know. Dr. Donna. I know, I know. Doctor, when she was Dr. Donna, that was, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> Just absolutely heartbreaking, the end of it. <sighs> that one hurts me so much, because I wasn't a big Donna Noble fan, but oh, when, I love Donna Noble. And so many people did, but when she was Dr. Donna, I was I was all in. And then to just give it to her and take it away, I just, ugh. That, was ter- that, that sucked for me. Because Tenet's my doctor, and, and I, I, I fell for the whole Rose and Tenet thing. That was, that was my, my favorite. No, I, I think they were very sweet, and I was, I was very much on board with that, to be honest. There was some parts near the end of his run where I'm like, okay, whoever's running the show, come on. But... Well, I, I think at some point the doctors tune out, and I think David started to tune out near the end. And I, I saw it with Matt Smith. I, st- I felt that he started to tune out a bit, and, and I'm now seeing it with Capaldi, and he's just announced that he's leaving. So I'm just like, well, he's I, been fought, he's been fighting them so much about what he wants to do and not being allowed to do it, and it's just, I'm excited for Moffat to leave. I'm, I'm just going to be flat out honest about nope, that. As, as am I. And I'm I mean, hoping whoever goes in actually understands writing a bit more. Um, <laughs> Well, no, the man. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that to be like petty, I, I, but the I man know. has blatantly admitted he doesn't know why Blink is so popular, and that's why we've had so many freaking weeping angels during his run, because he wrote it, and he had to write multiple drafts because Russell T Davies is fantastic and is mm-hmm. like, yeah. no, you don't just get to turn in one thing, um, and be done with it. Yeah. But like, for him to say he doesn't know why his most popular episode was popular. 
and then to just assume that it was like the angels aren't what makes Blink a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that you've missed the point, sir. But it's such a marketing mindset, and I know he comes from a marketing background, and yeah. just I don't know. As someone who, as someone who in my career professionally outside of my creative stuff has worked with a lot of marketing people, I just find him very frustrating. <laughs> I feel no, like I, I, he's. Sorry, I just want to cut in really quick. I feel mm-hmm. like Moffat is kind of suffering what Russell was suffering with when he had Doctor Who at the same time as Torchwood, as the same time as the Sarah Jane uh, Chronicle. Not, I'm getting that wrong. Am I doing, saying that right? Sarah Jane? Sarah Jane Chronicles? Yeah. The, Sarah Connor Chronicles? No. No, no. Sarah, Sarah Jane. Oh, Sarah no. Jane. Sorry, the, 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 the companion. My yeah, apologies. so there, yeah. there was that one. There was the Wizards and Aliens. He was he was part of so many projects that he yeah. started to have to like take away time from things. He couldn't ref- yeah. reflect and refine where you know certain things needed to be done. He started spreading himself out too thin. And I feel like Moffat went the same friggin' Absolutely. route. Especially, like, you look at season four of Torchwood and it says it all. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like that's what he's kind of doing with, like, Sherlock. And it's what he did last season with Doctor Who. And I'm like, you know what? I don't I don't hate you, but I'm glad that you're no longer going to be a part of this anymore because somebody else really needs to come in yeah. now. Has there ever been someone who's successfully done that? I mean, when, when Joss split, started splitting his time between Buffy and Angel, I felt the same sort of thing starting to creep into that universe as well. Um, where it just like you, you could tell when Joss was focused on an episode because it was good, and then oh, who wrote it? Joss Whedon wrote that. Perfect, obviously. Um, but you can also tell when he was probably more absent because he was working on the others. At least to me, when I because I, I watched them in chronological order uh, last year, and I and I just noticed that once both shows were running at the same time, it just it was tough for me to grab on. And then when Buffy ended, I actually felt Angel got stronger, um, personally at least. Um, yeah. So I don't know if any, if it's ever a smart thing for showrunner to spread themselves that that thin. Now, I was mentioning earlier that uh, um, Alice derives uh, some stuff from your personal life. Um, obviously, writing this was probably a little bit of um, you, you were bearing your soul. Uh, is, is there anything <laughs> that that you you know do or you you do or you don't want to talk about in in terms of that no i mean i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty open about it and i think it's kind of important to talk about it um and it's why i wrote the book so please uh tell us the story about your brother my my entire family other than my mom and my mom and i um suffers from some form of depression um and in 2013 we lost my older brother to it um he committed suicide and um, I, it's always weird because you don't really know what's actually like worth sharing. Um, but I'd, I'd been wanting to write for a while and I'd had a few ideas for this book in my head already. Um, but after this happened, I, um, I had a chance, I, thanks to an amazing employer at the time, who um, we didn't have vacation days. I was a contractor, um, and I couldn't afford to not work those days. Um, but he was like, "You know what? You need you need time to like do something for you. So I'm going to fudge the books and say that you are working for a week, um, so that you can just take some time to just like not like because I I worked 
from home technically um, when I went back for the funeral. And if you've ever had to deal with any anything like that, obviously it's not any mental rest dealing with a funeral. You're you're taking care of other people, and yeah. it's just it's a very weird um, situation. Um, but then I had this week when I got back where he's like, you know, you can you can use it however you want. And weirdly, at the same time, uh, a very good friend of mine was like, I'm going to Oxford for work because the place she was working for at the time. Uh, was stationed there and she's like and I don't want to go abroad alone and I have a ton of miles because they've been flying me around everywhere do you want to come with me all you'd have to do is pay for your food because they're paying for everything else and um, she had enough miles to to take me with her and I was like yeah sure I'll use that for that week and I got to go to Oxford and wander around where Lewis Carroll himself um, worked and I got to see all these little landmarks. I didn't sadly get to see Alice's garden. I'm actually hoping to go. I'm having now that I now that I actually have a little bit saved up. I I was able to get a ticket for for my 30th birthday coming up in April to go back to the London area. Um, so I'm hoping to go see her garden because it's closed during the winter. If you ever go to Oxford, you can't go to that garden during the winter time. Apparently, it's closed. Oh. I don't know why. I peeped at a. Pe- I peeped through the church peephole at the door. <laughs> church mouse. Um, it was yeah. It was very like Alice looking through the keyhole, but instead of looking at the garden, I was looking at the door to Alice's garden, <laughs> being like, "I want to go see you," but they won't let me outside. Um, but during that time, I when I was waiting for my friend to get off work, I just sat in a bunch of coffee shops and I wrote like a mad woman and this book came out and then obviously it had to be revised a million times but it was an interesting way to sort of deal with a lot of my own a lot of my own struggles with losing my brother and and kind of looking at depression in a a more physical like how do I deal with this thing that's like you can't fight it with you have to, you know, you, you do, you go to therapy, you take your medication, you practice mindfulness, like, but how do you look at, if you could look at it in a different way, like if it was a physical manifestation, like how would you, yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm struggling to describe this, um, oh, where the it. thought processes was, but that's where the nightmares were sort of came about was right. a physical manifestation of this, this terrible thing that took my brother. It's like trying to, I think I think I understand what you're saying. Um, it's how do I deal with the internal mental manifestation within my own personal isolation in the physical world with everybody else around me and not go knucking futs. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, you ended you ended up doing and you have been doing for the last few years something that I think is a really big step in the pro- in the right direction, and, and that is Jolmas. So we'll talk to us a little bit about Jolmas. Um, Jolmas is January thirtieth, um, because my my brother was born on January fourth, but he died on on the thirtieth, and it seemed weird to ignore it, like to to ignore that day. But I didn't want to memorial like I didn't want to make it a day of mourning like it just it that just seemed unhealthy um but ignoring it also seemed unhealthy so I started to think about we have all these holidays that celebrate you know the people around us but 
we don't really have a day that's dedicated to self-care. Like we have birthdays, but it's more about like, there's all this weird pressure on your birthday to like, you have to throw a party, you have to do this, you have to go out, you have to be social. And I wanted to make one day that, you you know, if, if you need to stay home and watch Netflix all day, that's fine. That's your self-care. And you have a day now that's like been specifically giving you that permission if you feel like you need that permission of just like, it's just so you have at least one day a year where you just focus completely on your own mental health. Because I feel like if maybe like my brother had felt like he'd had the ability to just to to admit that he needed help, <laughs> maybe things would have gone differently. I don't know. But it's just, that's been a really big important thing of just like mental health care and, and taking care of yourselves. I absolutely love this idea, and um, I mean, I've I've done things to memorialize the date myself. I mean, I think everybody who's fought depression in some facet can understand the value of something like that, and, and as long as you're willing to see it. And when you do it, you really do feel better. Um, and and if if you need it to be, you know, hey, look, this is for. This person I know, Carrie Callaghan, her brother, and, and I'll do it for her, even though you're doing it for yourself, it still gets you to that place where you're taking care of yourself. And that is so yeah. very, very important. Especially if you're a very empathetic person and you're like a giver, it's really hard to take time just for you because you feel selfish. So if you make it sort of like, no, it's tradition, like everybody's doing this. Like if you make it into a thing, it sort of makes it easier to tell yourself that little voice in your head, no, 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 it's okay if I just don't do anything right now. I don't need to help anyone else. Today I'm supposed to be doing stuff for me. And like everybody's doing it, so it's okay. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Now, um, Terilyn. Yes. So you are a Glee school teacher. Yes. <gasps> <laughs> so, Kiri, let's... I knew we were friends for a reason. <laughs> Um, Kiri, tell us your story about Ariel and, and, and learning that you can oh, have that gosh. job. <laughs> okay. So when I was about four or five, I want to say this was when I had morning kindergarten. So my siblings, because I'm the youngest of three, I am a third if you're an Ender's Game reader. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I remember I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid when I was very little. So I'd get home from morning kindergarten and my mom... And I would have, like, our secret McDonald's because that was, like, we were very rarely allowed junk food of that kind. But when it was just, like, me and my mom, she'd be like, well, I want I want some of this. And you're not going to tell because this is our little secret. So I got to have this great – I was very spoiled in that respect because I got to have this great time with just me and my mom. Um, and I'd make her put on The Little Mermaid over and over again, bless her heart. And I remember at one point I told her, Mom, I want to be Ariel when I grow up. And my mother, bless her heart, made the fatal mistake of telling me what an actor was. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was someone act like that was their actual job. She's like, well, you know, you can you can actually be a performer when you grow up. And I just remember being like, I can do what? This is a thing that I'm allowed to do. And suddenly being an adult didn't sound too bad anymore, but um, I've never really fully grown up. Sorry about that, Mom. If you ever had aspirations of me being a doctor or something. <laughs> so you, you get to deal with little minds all the time that are exploring uh, the, their more creative side, uh, Tierlin. How, do, you, do, you find it, um, like, how, how, do you find it rewarding? Do you find that it's rare? Do you find that it's not as rare as it used to be? 
Who, me? Yes, you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be. Then who? No. <laughs> Just double checking. Um, yeah, it's definitely the most rewarding thing I've ever done because one, it's a great outlet for me. Like I think I'd go stir crazy if I had to have an office job because I was a paralegal for two years and I just, it actually got me quite down. I, I started to feel very anxious and depressed myself. So when I started up, oh, yeah, when I started up my own performing arts school and we get to dance and we get to sing and we get to act and we get to write, I then found like-minded people and these kids are just mini adults in a way they've sort of got it more together than people my own age they just seem to just get things and they're really open to ideas and they're kind um because very sadly I think bullying is still a very big part of you know day-to-day life but these kids who just want to perform and want to entertain and make people feel good they just welcome everyone with open arms and we've got a really good little community there so and it's great like uh, I mean there's some hard parts of my job but really I'm lucky I just get to sing and dance all day and get to be a kid because they all love the Powerpuff Girls too. So we get to talk about that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Joey. Yeah. You got your rapid, you got your rapid fryer ready, my friend. Uh, Actually. Yes. And uh, as I said before uh, on the previous podcast that I was going to be a little bit more random with it. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is I, I'm i going to create my rapid-fire questions as, you know, the the oh, no. initial part of the, the interview is happening, which is what I did. So I've been sitting here, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Th- these are the more personalized rapid-fire questions. So that I way, like it's going to be – it's so they're, they're ready. Like, I'm not going to just, like, sit here and try to think of them. I got them ready. I've been writing them down as we've been <laughs> sitting here talking. Rock so if you are ready – Sure. Okay. <laughs> You're in a film that is about your life, but the movie needs to be scored. Of these three composers, who scores your movie life? John Williams, Russell Brower of Blizzard Entertainment, or the infamous Danny Elfman? Um, I'm going to have to... S- oh. <laughs> I couldn't answer this one. You know what? I want it to be John Williams because just... In, I have, I love Danny Will. Uh, yeah, Elfman. I love Danny Elfman, and in the fact of like I was a big Oingo Boingo fan, but now it's got a very weird relationship with me, just because it's very connected to a very particular part of my life. And you're never gonna beat like a John Williams score. So just like I want That's that true. epicness. I want I want like John Williams music playing as wind blows through my hair, and like a single tear as I go, I shall avenge you, Joel. Or I don't know. <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? She's probably in wherever they have Ruples. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> because no, I played I played the Carmen San Diego game from like the t- the old Tandy computer like that yep. yellow and black only thing and yep. I remember this we had it before Wikipedia was a thing. Mm-hmm. And you, that was one of the clues that always drove me nuts. And to this day, I can't freaking remember where the frick they have Ruples without looking it up. But I remember it was like, that was one of the clues. And I was like, crap, I need to go look at an encyclopedia to figure out where Ruples are. Russia? I, I think so. In, when I grew up, Carmen Sandiego was geography class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. 
you know, until I got to high school where they actually had geography class, they was just like, all right, just go play the computer for half an hour. And I just like, yes, let me add carbon. This is good stuff. But uh, good. if you Google it, you run into RuPaul. And I'm like, no, I mean, RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> ah, screw it. I'm just spelling it clearly. I'm terrible. <laughs> I still can't find out where she is. Dang it. So Simon and Schuster approaches you as a YouTuber to for you to write your autobiography. What do you write the title to be? I actually already know this. I have this worked out. It is going to be called Full Frontal Irony, Life Advice from Someone You've Never Even Heard Of. <laughs> I, I want to read this book so bad now. <laughs> and it's going it to be is, a thing. It is Russian. Sorry. Continue on. Aha. Thank you. Your your Googling skills are better than mine on my crappy little phone. Google foo. Google foo. In the wonderful world of Winnie the Pooh, what animal toy do you most identify yourself with? Tigger. <laughs> I was yeah, about I to say Tigger. <laughs> Whereas I'm Pooh. <laughs> I love Pooh, but I feel like I'm just not mellow enough to be Pooh. <laughs> I'm the love child of Pooh and Piglet. I, I would, yes. That sounds adorable. I can already see Blair totally. thinking about this. He's like, holy shit, he's not lying. <laughs> no, you're really Where not. Where is the lie? Pooglet. <laughs> Pooglet. All right. Your D&D character is the spawn of what two species? Um, probably a tiefling and an elf. What fictional language would you want to learn through Rosetta Stone? Oh, oh that's a Dalish. tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really hard because even they haven't fully crafted it. It's not like a fully. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd want to go full Dalish. I'll admit I'm a big, I'm a big Dragon Age nerd. Can you remember what your very, very first email address was? And if so, what was it? ChibiBunnyChan at Hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> there there were some underscores in there, I'm fairly certain, but I don't remember where they were. It's no longer active, so don't try to <laughs> Really quick, do you remember, I don't know, okay, so you're turning 30 in April, I'm turning 32 in April, so like we're around the same time in high school or whatever, where certain teenagers thought that it was like so cool to have an email address from like .co.uk. I mean, I, I went to high school in Spokane, which is the epitome of not cool. Even the cool kids were not cool. So sadly, that did not, that phenomenon did not, did not affect us. I always wanted to come across like I was foreign or something. It, it was weird. I mean, it, was, it was a weird identity thing. I no, I, like, I get that. Unfortunately, if you grew up in Spokane, being foreign of any kind is probably enough to get you picked on a lot. There are a bunch of white hicks. A little bit little bit. It's upsetting. So it is the final book of a series that you are a character in, and it is actually time for you to have your death scene. Who? Oh, no. In, and it's in a post-apocalyptic world, mind you. Okay? Okay. Now, of these three writers, who writes this scene? J.K. Rowling, George R.R. R. Martin, or Joss Whedon? Oh, that's hard. Okay, it will not be Martin because one, we know that I would not last till the end if that was the case. Um, but Rowling and and Whedon are like really high up there on people who've influenced my writing. So you know, I'm gonna go with Whedon because 
Buffy's mom's death will forever haunt me and make me cry. Oh so God! I would like people to cry terribly. Best hour if, when I die. Best hour. So I would like that down. to be a thing. Whedon. I would Whedon go shall Whedon. do my death. I would just do Whedon for the whimsy. You know, he just he always has that <laughs> little bit of whimsy in his writing. Yeah. Uh, I will okay. never. I I mean the the episode without music, when Buffy's mom died. That mm-hmm. like yes, that is heart wrenching. But I'll tell you what the the episode prior that Cliff hangs it right at the very end with Sarah Michelle Gellar and she just says "mommy" like just those five seconds. Oh gosh, yeah, kills me. And that that destroys me. And then what really kills me is actually Anya trying to con- like to wrap her mind around mm-hmm. death. Yeah, yeah, I'm that drove like, me nuts too. I just I'm like I'm like watching a child figuring out that something can never come back again. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm destroyed. That that one ripped me particularly. Um, my mom died when I was 20, and I'm the person who had to – I, I took the call. I'm the person who had to deal with all oh, the stuff. So every ounce of that of – that, and the no music was perfect – but every ounce of that show was spot on with my experience. All, all the, the roller coaster, the fact that I have to do things and I don't know what the hell. And I, you know, I couldn't have done anything, but why did I forget that? I mean, it, it was so well done that, I mean, I just sat there and I'm like, I don't know if I could watch that again. It was so real and the best hour of television I have ever seen. But to go through that ride again, I, I just don't know if I have it in me. It was so good. Mm. So very good. But I'm gonna have to because me and Omar said I can do that one for the yeah. study group. You're gonna have to rewatch it. Oh, I love Sunnydale study group. So, so do I. They're they're good friends of this podcast, and I love them. I just they're just such great people. They really are. All of them. I got to meet them all this summer too. It was as well as Yay. you. I got to meet all yes. of you guys this summer. Yes, you did. Are you coming back for for this uh, year? Oh man, I really want to. I just don't know if it's in the cards. I'm I'm going to Vegas in three weeks. Oh and, wow! And I keep being told it's not that far. I'm like, yeah, but that's still. You know what? Far. It's not. It's like a six hour drive. Uh, I know that's not the thing to tell you. I'm sorry. That's when he well, looks into his pockets and he's like, I don't know. Do I ha- do I have a six hour drive fund in there somewhere? I mean, it's a mix fair. between that and convincing. I, I feel you on that. All my friends in LA. Hey guys, you want to come to LA or to to Vegas for a little bit this week? I just don't <laughs> think I could convince anybody. Yet. Anyway, I, I'll try, but I, I I'm not sure if it's in the cards this year. Um, cause we yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Joey, sorry. Can no, it's okay. I only, I only got a couple more. Uh, all right. So this should be a fairly easy one. Uh, do you prefer hardbound, paperback, or mass market? What, what counts as a mass market? In this? So, okay, a paperback, by technicality, and, okay, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm a professional, and I know what I'm talking about here, uh, because I, I, work, <laughs> I work with books, actually. <laughs> All right, so a paperback is essentially, okay, so I'll, I'll use Felicia's book, for example. When it first came out, it was hardbound, and then when it came out, yes. it wasn't in, like, a small size, but it was in oh, a soft cover, oh. but that that's actually a... It, what a real paperback is. Okay. A mass market are the ones that are it's sold for like six ninety nine. Pocket size. Yeah, the the front covers are usually about the size of like a four by six photo that you would have printed at, at like Kinkos. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, hardback. Every time. Do you like your dust jacket in pristine condition like me? 
No, actually, I'm very weird about I love a book that looks like it has been loved. Like, I don't want to, like, do do what you do with your books. I mean, I don't abuse my books, but I will, I, I drive people nuts. I write in the margins. I underline things. Sometimes I've highlighted them. Um, and then... I've had a few friends who've done this and I love reading theirs and being like being able to see like what was important to you like what really hit you because then I'm almost sharing this experience with you as I get to read it um but everyone has their own preference of how they how they deal with their books um I will say one thing that drives me a little nuts and I say this as someone who loves books I feel like sometimes we put more reverence on the pages themselves than what's written on them and that does bother me some bit because I feel like what's in the book is going to last long after that book has got, has like melted away and decomposed or whatnot. But mm. anyway, that's my own little. Now, just quickly. My little grump. <laughs> you know how like when a party's just getting started and there's always that one person who has to leave early? I've got to be that person right now because I've got to go and teach. But um, I'm so Rude. sorry. I, yeah, I've got to, got to go teach. I'm Glee. sorry. I know. I'm so sorry, but I absolutely love talking to you. So I've added you on Facebook. Oh. So yeah, I, we'll I've chat. accepted you. Yeah, good. So <laughs> we'll chat later, I think. <laughs> yes, very much so. It was lovely to meet you. Yeah, lovely to meet you. We'll definitely talk again really soon. All right. Thank All right, you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, Tara. Bye. All right, continue on, Joey. All right. So I only got two more. You are coming out with a debut album, but you are co-writing it with somebody in the writing credits. Who do you co-write it with? Oh, shoot. Um, so this is going to be a little weird because I feel like I should be choosing somebody who actually writes like pop. But I really appreciate Stephen Schwartz's lyrics. Like... The musicals he writes, he fits in the weirdest, like, just, he, he makes things, he'll fit in strange words that I, you don't normally hear in lyrics, and I really appreciate that, like, um, cause he wrote, he wrote the, the music and lyrics for Wicked the Musical and, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Disney's, um, so he, he was the one who was like, like a croissant is, and I find that so endearing. That with croissant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're amazing. I love this. More of this in my life, please. All right. And last but certainly most, not least, ever, how awesome is our Team Who Moon moderator, Toronto Gal? Amazing! Okay. Does that work? That works. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that enough of, of an answer? That's enough of an answer. That's good. <laughs> Um, I, I will jump in here now and I'll do the suggestion section. So we're going to do some Google feud because we haven't done some in a while. Sweet. Um, Kiri, you have four categories to choose from. Culture, people, names, or questions. Um, questions. Why not? Questions. Let's go with the curiosity. All right. So for anyone who has not heard us play Google feud in the past or, or is unaware, what it is, it's like a family feud type game you can find at googlefeud.com that is the autofills for your google inquiry uh, inquiry so when you start typing a question before you finish it goes oh do you mean this these are the top 10 do you mean this after the following statement when is a good time to dot 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 oh, so 
Do I type that into Google? No, no. Just just uh, give me an answer and I'll type it in for you. So. Oh, when is a good time to um, eat pickles? Eat pickles. Nope, not in the top ten. Joey? Okay. Refinance. Refinance. Okay, refinance. Number five. Yes. Uh, Carrie, go ahead. Send a dick pic. <laughs> Send. Hey, these things will get on there. Dick pick. No, unfortunately. Dang I think, it. I think it's lying you know what? to me. You know what, though? If people Googled that, maybe there would be less dick pics in the world. That's probably Because the answer, answer would be never, never. Or unless solicited. <laughs> Joey, when is a good time to? When is a good time to... Go on vacation? Just try the word vacation. Keep it simple. Vacation. No. Okay. Number one answer. Or sorry, I'll start at the bottom. Um, number ten was plant grass. What? <laughs> number nine was have a baby shower. Number eight was buy a TV. Number seven, get married. Number six, ah. you get ripped off, Joey. Go to Hawaii. Oh. Number five was refinance. Number four is get pregnant. <laughs> uh, three, buy a house. Two, have a baby. And the number one answer, when is a good time to buy a car? Hmm. Okay, sure. There's a lot, of, a lot of baby stuff in there. I feel yeah. like people are using Google as their magic eight ball. They really are. Google, when should I get married? <laughs> Ask again later. Ask again later. Uh, Joey, culture, people, names, questions. Uh, let's keep it on questions. Questions. Is it safe to travel to? <laughs> I'm going to put USA. No. Well, there you go. <laughs> hmm. Is it safe to travel to? I'm going to say, because of the current turmoil and stupidity in our country right now, um, Mexico. I agree. Mex Mexico. No. Wow. Really? Maybe it's uh, a little bit more generic. Russia. <laughs> Russia. All right. Uh, Russia is number eight. Yeah. We got one. <laughs> All right. How about... Well, there's a lot of uh, political crap going on over in Africa, so let's go with Egypt. Egypt. I bet you Middle East is there instead of Egypt, but YPT. Egypt, number three. Yeah. Nice. Well done, sir. Hmm. I don't want to take the last strike, so Kiri. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got one. If China. Sorry, where, Terry? I said China. China. Or China. <laughs> That's what my boss says. Every time I say China, he goes, no, Blair, it's China. And I'm like, okay, not China. Wow, okay. Um, the so-called ruler of the United States, otherwise known as the Scrotus, has said so. The I love that term. So-called ruler of the United States. Um, number 10, Costa Rica. Sorry, what was yours, Joey? 
I was actually going to say Cuba because of the whole Fidel Castro thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, it's on the list. You're, I can't believe number one. Um, number, number nine is Puerto Rico. Uh, eight was Russia. Seven is Dubai. Six is Europe. Uh, five is Cancun, so Mexico. You got ripped off. Uh, four is Greece. Three is Egypt. Number two is Cuba. I, I would never have thought of this as number one. Canada? Is it safe to... No. no not oh. that <laughs> uh, and I know where this is coming from, but it's is it safe to travel to Paris? Uh, that's so, uh, For that to be the first one, I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, that, that's some bullshit right there. All right, like, well, Paris wasn't the issue, people. I no. don't know. Whatever. All right, Kiri, one more questions, or you want to try something else? Um, let's, let's do something else. All right, so culture, let's people, mess, Mix it up. Uh, people. Let's go people. Okay, what is it like to be blank? Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Oh, wait, no, I should have said Beyonce. Damn okay, it. no, no, we haven't typed it in yet. Beyonce, hopefully. Oh, yeah, there's the. Oh, well, let me put that in. No. What? That's some bullshit. That's, I call bullshit. There are so many people who are like, I want to know what it's like to be Queen B. Agreed. Joey. Uh, Adele. Adele. Hello, it's me. Not Adele either. Something tells me we're getting this wrong. Maybe it's proper. Maybe it's not proper names. Like a policeman or something. Yeah. Like, what's it like to be rich? A gynecologist. Gyno. <laughs> Call. Come on, help me out. Spelling. Call. Just, just type gyno. <laughs> gyno. Gyno. Fine. Uh, Which sounds like a vagina dinosaur. <laughs> okay. These are these. Well, all right. Number 10 is what's it like to be a stripper? Num- okay. Number 9 is schizophrenic. Number 8 is a billionaire. Oh, so uh, this is types of rich. people, not real people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 7 is black. Uh, 6 is a nurse. 5 is an empath. 4 is blind. 3 is in love. Pe- really? People? Mm, I guess. I don't get. You this. know, I've read some terrible fiction from someone who clearly has never been there, so that make, I, I, I get enough. people googling that. Fair enough. I, I really don't get number two. What is it like to be a bat? I, I, people would people go- really want to be the Batman, but they're not. They're I don't know. They're and like, it, oh, I got to get inside the mind of the bat first. I don't know. And the and the the top answer is 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 a sports ball reference. What's it like to be a Lions fan? Um, from what I've heard from my housemate, disappointing. Yeah. Like Soul crushing. I know nothing about the Lions at all, but I know that. Yeah, being the Lions, uh, being a Lions fan um, in, in realm of sport, um, is, is, is in, there's only two other teams that are in that conversation. It used to be Cubs, but it isn't anymore. But it's the Browns, which is another football team, and the Leafs, which is a hockey team. Um, they're, they're the ones. <laughs> um I'll have to answer that one off off podcast. So let's wrap this up. Kiri, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find I'm very Googleable, so if you just want to put Kiri Calligan into Google, boop boop, I am like at least the first twenty pages, um, which is very 
not as impressive because my name is just unique. Um, but also on kerrycalligan.com. I'm on YouTube and Twitter and Facebooks. And I also occasionally do a live stream, um, whether of games or sometimes the creative process of, like, recording a song. So should stop by. Join the community. It's freaking amazing and sweet and supportive. And I love them to pieces because they're just the best. And we love you back. I want to thank <laughs> – I'd like to thank our guest, Kiri Callaghan, for taking time out of her schedule to talk with us here today about Alice and, and all the life wonderful things that you did today. Um, oh, I want I want to thank my wonderful co-hosts, Joey and Tierlin, for joining us here on this podcast. And until next time, guys, take care. And uh, how do you end your streams, Kiri? Stay curious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Find Blair on Twitter at Blair Beverage, Webisode Watch, and Hoopod. His Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash Blair Beverage, where he streams Friday evenings at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. You can also find him on YouTube. Just search his name. That's him. Finally, you can catch him playing the Goblin Shaman in the web series Basic Adventuring 101, which can be found on basicadventuring101.com. You can find Joey on Twitter at joeycouture underscore, because someone already stole it. On YouTube as Joey Couture, and you can also find him on Etsy, Joey Couture Geek Chic. You can find Tyrolyn at Tiz Thunder on Twitter, Tyrolyn Puxty on YouTube, Tyrolyn Puxty on Facebook, and I'm pretty much floating around everywhere. T Y R O L I N P U X T Y. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. <laughs>